0: Today, we're going to talk about the work of God, and then after that, we're going to talk about the triune God, the, the, um, the wisdom of God, and then we'll move into the doctrine of Jesus, and then you'll see all the descriptions there, and then we'll do the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and which is the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and so we'll see um, us connecting connecting those three, and then we'll do the doctrine of the Word of God, what the Bible is, um, what the Bible is out, and we'll talk about the nature um, of the Word, the purpose of the Word Um, in those things as we're breaking, as we're breaking things up. But if you look at the work of God, what we're talking about today, we have God created the world and God sustains the world is what we'll talk about today. And then next week we're going to talk about God's providential will in the world and God's position in redemption to the world. So again, you definitely want to come, um, you know, it's, we will get into things pretty deep in regards to providence And, um, and when we do get into things, you know, deep, you know, more thick in regards to how God functions, we can touch the surface and a lot of that we can't even understand, but we do want to understand bits of it, pieces of it, so we can understand God more and more and how he functions. So we'll be, we'll be working through that. So this morning we're going to talk about the doctrine of God, and this will be the work of God is what we'll be going through Uh, God created the spiritual universe that is a work that he has done says in the beginning God prepared formed fashioned and then what created the heavens of the earth that's what created means prepared formed fashioned created the heavens in the earth and when you look at the creation that takes place what did he create it with What did he create it with? He created it with his voice. It says, God said, Let there be light. And guess what happened? There all of a sudden was. God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And all of a sudden there was. So he's using his voice to give the credit to creation, which is something that you want to think about because it's going to carry all the way through the entire Bible. That when he created something and put something together, he did not use his hands. What did he use? He used his what? Voice. If you look at the most powerful thing in the universe, the world, God has directed it to his voice. Literally speaking things into being. And when he speaks things into being, all of a sudden that they were made. They were created. And scripture does not want to uh, deny that whatsoever, but to show the power of God's voice. And when you start looking at at, um, um, scripture, it unfolds that God puts a lot of weight in his voice. Why? Because he's going to give us a Bible, which is what? The written word of God, and it is going to carry the same power to do a transforming work that is literally inside of you, making you a new creation, a new creature. It's from his his voice. His voice is getting the weight of creation that is there. Psalms 33, 6 says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. Now, when I talk about heavens, and when we go through the doctrine of heaven and doctrine of hell, which we'll do in about three years, <laughs> maybe I don't know how long it's going to take, but we're going to really dig into heaven, really dig into um, dig into hell, and try to understand that. But when you look at the doctrine of heavens, because it says the heavens were made by the breath of his mouth, it's heavens is plural that is explaining. When he's talking about heavens, is that heavens is plural? Did you know there's three different heavens? You know, Paul when um, he had a thorn in his flesh. He was caught up into the third heaven. Therefore, you know what? There's, there's three heavens. There's three different heavens that are taking place. Well, what are the three heavens? The three heavens, is, according to the Bible, is the heaven that goes beyond the universe. That's what Paul is talking about, the third heaven. He's taken me clear beyond the earth, clear beyond space, and clear into literally the presence of God beyond the entire universe. The other heaven is the atmospherical heaven, which would be the stars. In fact, Psalms 104 says, besides them, the birds of the heavens dwell. The birds of the heavens dwell. They lift up their voices among the branches. You know, that's um, it, atmospherical heaven. Talking about heaven, actually, it's not atmospherical. It's not the stars. That one is right, is right here. I mean, Psalms 104 says it. Besides them, the birds of the heavens dwell saying, this is absolutely God's creation, beautiful creation. And then the second heaven is a starry heaven at night. Isaiah 13 says, the stars of heaven and their constellations will show their light. The rising of the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The reason why I say there's three different heavens that the Bible even refers to is because we're supposed to open our eyes to this creation and say, oh my goodness, God is big. Wow, God is, is amazing. God is miraculous. The stars that are up there are to show you the powerful work of creation for a purpose. And what's the purpose? The voice spoke things into being carrying that extreme amount of power and you should be given glory to what? The creator as a result. How did he create the heavens? By his breath. Nehemiah 9:6, "You alone are the Lord. You have made the heavens, the heavens are, the heavens and the heavens." I'm sorry, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts. Again, multiple heavens in regards to what we see that God has made. The earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to all of them, and the heavenly host bows down before you. See, he's wrapping up all the heavens, starry canopy here, and then also the one that is even beyond, which would be the third heaven. Psalms 148, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him from the heights. Praise him, from the, praise him, all the angels. Praise Him, all the hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all stars, light. Praise Him, highest heavens and the waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. He had commanded and they were created. He has also established them forever and ever. He has made a decree which will not pass away." in Acts 4 24 and when they heard this they lifted their voices to God in one accord and said "O Lord it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them God wants us to open our eyes <laughs> to what is around us and when we do open our eyes to what's around us what are we supposed to do <laughs> give him all the glory give him all the glory he is taking credit for the creation of of this world, and he's taking pride in the creation of the world because the heavens are what? Declaring the glory of his name. Now, who does not like that? One person who does not like that is Satan. (laughs) He doesn't like it. He wants to destroy that work. Therefore, the act of destroying that work is going to be what? Try to get something else besides God that created this world, something else that put this world together, something else you can form because there's no denying it, I mean, God's name is just written all over the sky. there's no denying it. So Satan still wants to destroy it, but eh, how does he do it? You know, evolution is being taught in the schools. All of a sudden, everything is created by what? It's created by nothing. Where is that work coming from? Why is that even being put out there? The reason why it's being put out there is because if you can say there is no creator which is almost impossible to say there's no creator but if you can say that there's no creator then you can say though there's no god it's just the purpose of getting god out you know i go to africa uh pretty consistently i'll be going here in a couple weeks and uh and we have a leader over there named ben margai and i'll never forget a conversation that i i had with him um and it was a conversation we were having in a car and i asked him the question i said you know ben does in africa do people believe in evolution and, uh, and he looked at me and says, Eva, what? <laughs> and I'm like, evolution, you know, the uh, cosmic explosion that it created and made things evolve into what we are today. And I'll never forget his response. He looked at me and says, oh, Pastor Mike, he says, we're poor in this country, but we're not stupid. <laughs> Everybody believes in creation. Everybody believes there's a God. It's just a whole bunch of different gods that, that take place. And, and it's obvious that they're is a god how can we how can we be deceived how can we say no the whole bible is proclaiming this awesome word that he takes credit for it (laughs) he takes credit for it and what are we supposed to do as a result we're supposed to sit down and worship him it is his work in regards to this creation number two god is a god of detail when it comes to this world you know, we are, want to be very, very smart people, and, uh, and we are very, very smart people. Therefore, we come up with mathematical formulas um, to give us an explanation of what is going on. And um, as we're coming up with mathematical formulas in science, we come up with mathematical formulas in psychology, on, on, on how we function, and, and we use data, and we use consistencies, we use all these things to come up with different solutions. Um, whenever we hear the word science... Um, often, you know, we reject that word. (laughs) Don't reject the word science. The reason why you don't want to reject the word science is because God is such a God of detail that has mathematically formed everything that has taken place, and we're doing nothing but discover the mathematical formulas of things that were created and spoken into being. And in that process of studying those mathematical formulas, our eyes should just be open and go, I can't believe him. I can't believe how amazing God is. Instead, what we do is we use science to try to disprove God, and that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense because the more science that you use, the more details you see, and the more questions you will have upon every single discovery you make in regards to science. And it is there for the purpose of us just looking and opening up our minds and say, I cannot believe how God, big God is. I cannot believe how big God is. Enjoy the mathematical formulas. Enjoy how human beings function, the dynamics of how they function with with consistency. I mean, I struggle with that as well, thinking, okay, I'm talking to, say, 700 people on a weekend, and as I'm talking to 700 to 1,000 people as it goes onto the internet, as I'm talking to all these people, can I talk about one subject that we can all relate to? (laughs) Well, when you open up the Bible, yes, you (laughs) can't. Yes, you can, because here we have our creator, here we have our designer, and you can open a subject where we all can go, oh yeah, hurt and hunger, yep, now I see it. Oh, the Bible's given a description of it. All of us, all of a sudden, can be on one page. You see the power of the creator and how he has formed all the details so we can understand each other, understand even process of this world, and then all of a sudden give God all the glory and praise in that process? Isaiah 40, 12 says, God has measured the waters in the hollow of his hands and marked off the heavens with a span and calculated the dust and calculated the dust and calculated the dust. God, why do you care? (laughs) No, I'm going to calculate the dust. I mean, we should open up the Bible and go, I can't believe him. I mean, I keep on using that phrase, but we should just be astonished, absolutely astonished of a God that carries so much detail And we think, well, God doesn't love me. Well, if he's going to calculate the dust, he's probably going to have something to do with me if he's going to move to the cross in regards to save me. He calculated the dust of the earth by the measure and weighed the mountains in the balance of the hills and paired in its scales. God didn't say, hey, I created and I'm done with it. All the way through the whole Bible, we see he created and then he informs it in the process of what was spoken into being. And we should be astonished. Isaiah 40, 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth the host by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. (laughs) Not one of them is missing. Complete detail. He wants us to know it. That's why these passages are here. He wants us to know the detail that was put into this world. Job 38, 1 through 7. When you look at this, where were you? He's talking to Job, given the whole story, is that Job is feeling pity for himself because he thinks God is not around because God has not given him an answer of why he's suffering. So here's the response. Where were you when God laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding who God set the measurements since you know or who, which means God stretched in line with it. On what is the basis of you sunk? On who? Which is God laid the foundations. So if you walk through this, you have God laid the foundations, God set the measurements, God stretched it on a line. He's explaining, you didn't do it, I'm the one that does it. On where the basis sunk or who, God laid the cornerstone. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning, meaning God has commanded the morning, and caused the dawn to know its place? Have you entered the springs of the sea, meaning God has entered the springs of the sea and walked in the recesses of the deep? Have you entered the storehouse of the snow? Means God has entered the storehouse of the snow. Or have you seen the storehouse of hell? Means God has seen the storehouse of hell. He's just open up your mind to say how big he is. Matthew 10 says this, but the very hairs of your head are numbered. You know, when I look at my hairs on my head, I think, oh, that's no big deal compared to stars. But God wants to know that, yeah, I I have them all numbered. I have them all calculated. Oh, by the way, I have your hairs on your head calculated. And what's one thing that so many Christians say nowadays is, God doesn't really care about me. (laughs) This would not be happening if God really cared about me. And he's saying, open up your mind, open up your heart to understand what I'm trying to disclose here. Is I'm big and I'm calculated and I know everything that is taking place. Number three, God started time at creation. This is a controversial, um, and I don't think it should be controversial, but some people might believe it, um, that the world was not created in seven days, meaning that there is a 24-hour days. I will tell you where I stand is I believe that the world was created in seven days, meaning 24 hours days. And uh, and then on the seventh day, he rested. It came from the going up and the sun going down that classifies um a day. So as soon as you got the days that were then put in place, that is when time has now started. So when we look at God, you know God always was. Well, we can't conceive that. We just we just can't conceive that. The reason why we can't conceive it is because time started at creation and everything we see has been created. And since everything we see has been created, we can't conceive eternity. But look at this time of how this thing functions as seven days um, has started. Um, It's built a calendar. Um, How how did it build a calendar? We work off a calendar of what? 24 hours a day, which is a seven-day week, which then moves into what? A 12-day month. Well, where do we get the 12-day month? You know, the first calendar is in uh, 4,241 B.C., and it was built um, by the Egyptians that were living by the Nile River knowing that sometime during the process the river floods and sometimes it does not flood and the river was a river of life because they brought agriculture to it. So he says, well, we need to figure out when it floods. We need to figure out when it does not flood. So let's, let's, let's try to find something that we can calculate what is going on so we can be exact in regards to how things are functioning. So what do they do? They went to the moon, and they says, okay, we see this moon that is bright every single, every single month. And so let's start calculating the moon. In fact, if you, if you um, look what the word moon means, it means to measure time. That's what the word moon means. Okay, so we're going to use this, this thing that's in the sky, and we're going to measure time, and we're going to try to calculate one 24-hour day, two 24-hour day, three 24-hour day, so we can watch the river when it's flooding, when it is not, because obviously something's going on with these called seasons. And they put the calendar together to work perfectly, and they ended up saying, okay, now it's one year, okay? So we can use this process of 12 months but the moon comes up at a certain amount of times, which gives us 30 days and also gives us 31 days, and then we'll start naming these months, and we'll start putting things together. It's a time structure that we exist on. It's just, let's put that's put together. Where, where do we get it? We'll just look back at history. Look back at history and see where we got it. It started, the world was created in 24 hours a day, seven days, and it is still, seven days is our week, 12 months is our year and our seasons rotate with it exactly to a point where every four years we got to have a leap year because we're a little bit off. But see, that's, that's the calculation of who God is and what He wants us to, to, to live under. He put it t- together, and as He put it together, our minds start to put it on paper and say, well, let's function in this regard. It's absolutely phenomenal. Evolution doesn't respond to that. It's like, what? time? Oh, no, no we're not. Ta- we're talking about science creating all that took place in explosion. We're not talking about time. Oh, we're not going to talk about emotions. We're not going to talk about mor- morals. Well, everything is lost without Scripture. Everything is lost without Scripture because it's created to be lost in regards to Scripture not being the central piece of it. Exodus 20:11 says, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that was in them, And rested on the Sabbath day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. If you believe that the first day was not a 24-hour day, that God did not create the world in 24 hours, we we move towards that because we want to fit evolution in a little bit just to make sure that it expands. That's that's not the case. I believe it's not the case. He could have created an old earth just to make the statement, but in that process, Time was then put into place, and when we look at this world today, everybody will tell you that mm, about 7,000 years, you know, um, the trees can live. You know, the trees are actually marked after, after the flood. Then 4,000 years, they can live. You know, this is, they're about that much old. You know, those, those things can be, can be brought up. Exodus twenty eleven says for 60 days—oh, I already read that. Wade and Grudem says this, When God created the universe, he also created time. When God began to create the universe, time began, and there began to be a recession, a succession of the moments and events, one after another. Job thirty-six twenty-six says, "Behold, God is exalted, and we do not know Him." I'm sorry, and we do not know Him. The number of our years is unsearchable. God is exalted, and we do not know Him. The number of years is unsearchable. Well, I don't know, it looks like a typo, but it's I'm looking at what? We do not know him. the number of years is unsearchable. Um, sorry, I haven't looked at that verse as strong as I possibly should. See where it's at. Time is unsearchable. When you do look at um, time, why is time so important? The reason why time is so important and is even put in place is because someday I'm going to die and I'm walking towards it. Sometime, someplace, you're going to die and you're walking towards it. Therefore, time is extremely essential into our world. In fact, every step you take, every moment that passes, is one day that is, abs- that, is, that is even closer. Therefore, the Bible does anchor it. Do not waste a single day. Number four, God created man and woman out of something that had been created. It's another point that you definitely want to look at and observe because when you see the creation take place, God's work takes place a lot of things carry. You say, the world was created by let there be, man was created by let us make. It's interesting. Let there be, let us make. And then what does he do? He makes man out of the dust of the ground, and then he does what? He makes women out of a man's rib. So they're actually making them out of what? They're making them out of things that already has been created. Let's go to science. Did you know that um, matter cannot be destroyed? cannot be destroyed. Everything that was created, spoken into being, is called matter. And matter cannot, cannot be um, done away with. Uh, what This is important to know because we were created by the matter that was on the earth, which is interesting. We're created by the matter that was on the earth, meaning that we are connected and our matter is here. It is anchored into the system. And when I talk about the resurrection, when we go through Jesus' Jesus's resurrection, it's important to understand, and the reason why is because someday we are not going to be recreated. We are going to be, what, resurrected. What does that mean? That means that people that were flown into The um, World Trade Center during 2011 we say we're just completely disintegrated as they were completely disintegrated they have no chance for a resurrection or do they have a chance for a resurrection no, every single molecule is in the palm of God's hands and the most fascinating thing that will ever take place on this planet is when all the molecules get put back together on the final day which is called the resurrection it's called complete restoration So he didn't just speak man into being. No, man is a part of the earth. Women are a part of the earth. And one day, all of us are going to be put back together in regards to the resurrection. 3,000 years ago, people died. Well, don't worry. Every single molecule is still in their hand and will be then put back together because you cannot get rid of matter, put back together on the powerful resurrection. If you want to look at a massive, beautiful, amazing God, you find all the thickness of him in the resurrection. And so when he hears these words, man was created, made out of the dust and out of women who were created from the person's rib, it carries a massive significance of what's going to happen in the story of redemption. Man was created with a material and immaterial parts, material from the dirt, which is flesh, blood, bones, organs, and muscles all of a sudden comes to being, immaterial from the breath of God. You have the material that comes up, and then you have the breath of God, which is flesh, and then what? Spirit, and the breath is what? Emotional, intellectual, social, relational, and spiritual. He's trying to say, you're spiritual beings, created from this earth. Yes, you came from the earth, but then I breathe into life the breath of your nostrils. Genesis 2, 7, then the Lord God formed man out of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became then a living being, Thomas Watson says, Did God make our bodies out of dust and the dust out of nothing? Let this keep down pride as God humbled Adam when he used the expression after he sinned, Out of the dust was thou taken. Genesis 2.23, The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken out of man. Ecclesiastes 7.29, Behold, I have found only this, that God made man upright. So, God created, and He takes all credit. <laughs> he doesn't only take credit, He consistently proclaims it through the Word. It didn't, He created in seven days, and that's all we have. No, I created in seven days, and then open up the Bible and just look what He thinks about His work. Look what He thinks about His work. And what should we do? We should be praising Him as a result of it, and we should be horrifiedly embarrassed that evolution is even in our vocabulary because it is so obvious that God has done this. God sustains the world. Created the world, the next thing He does is He sustains it. Just want to uh, quickly move through this. God keeps everything that has been created existing. Everything that has been created continues to exist but how does it exist? Hebrews 1.3 God upholds all things by the word of his power. Spoke things into being with his word, and then all of a sudden he upholds everything from his word. Colossians 1.17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Not exist, but all things hold together. In Job 34, and this is again what you... His spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. Absolutely power. If you should set his heart to it and gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all the flesh would perish. In other words, if God pulls away, everything would do what? Absolutely disintegrate. Now, we know that we would absolutely disintegrate if the earth just moved. (laughs) I mean, if the planet earth just all of a sudden moved um, um, in a different place in the atmosphere. We just, we, we'd just blow up. It, we'd disintegrate. But why are we there in that exact location? Well, if God says, you know, I'm just going to step back. He's going to literally say, you guys are gone. You are absolutely gone. And you should understand that. That's what he's trying to say. You should understand that. And then Job 39, do you know, means, what, what that means is, um, I did it, is when he says, do you know. It means God knows the time of the mountain goats. It means God observes the caving of the deer. It means God counts the months they fulfill. It means God knows the time that they give birth. God sent out of the wild donkey free. God loosed the bonds of the swift donkey. The wild ox consent to serve you. God knows. God binds the ox in the furrow of his ropes and the harrow of the valleys after you. Will you trust him because of his strength and his great and leave you to labor? Do you, meaning God, will give you his might. God clothes his neck with a mane, the horse with a mane. God makes him leap like a locust. God understands that He uh, understands that the hawk soars, stretching his wings toward the south. It is God's command that the eagle mounts upon up and makes his nest on high. God's not, he doesn't just drop us. He has not dropped us. He, he, he's ruling us. He's ruling creation that is taking place he's not absent from it absolutely not absent from it job 26 god wraps up the heavens and his clouds and the clouds did not burst underneath them scientifically we could say this is absolutely amazing because water weighs what eight pounds per gallon it's amazing think of all the rain that it comes down and the weight that has taken place You know, when it comes fall, I have problems keeping my yard watered, and uh, my sprinklers will go all year, but there'll still be like a deadness that takes place until the first rains start to come down. And when the rains come down, it seems like, oh, good, my grass is finally getting green again. His rain is so effective and so much work when we try to do it ourselves. Psalms 104, he established the earth upon the foundations so that it will not totter forever. Number two, God keeps everything that he has created working. Again, you have passages that are taking place here, and I want to give you guys time to ask questions. Um, So I'm not going to read all these passages, but I do want to read a couple. Job 37 says this, For to the snow, he says, fall on the earth, and the downpour of the rain be strong. He seals the hand of every man, that all men may know his work. Then the, the beast goes into the lair and remains in the den. Out of the south comes the storm, and out of the north cold. From the breath of God, ice is made, and the expanse of the waters is frozen. Also with moisture, he loads the thick cloud. He disperses the cloud of his lightning. He, char- he changes directions, turning around by his guidance, that it may do whatever he commands it on the face of the inhabited earth, whether for correction Or for his word, or for loving kindness, he causes all of it to happen. You see a God that wants to take credit for bringing the sustainment of this earth, and he definitely does take that credit. Number three, God keeps the animals fed, something that is, you would say, relatively small. Well, right now, I would not say it's relatively small. I have way too many cows, and um, I have five pregnant cows, and then I have four young ones. And uh, come February, those five pregnant cows will give birth, will be put me at, at um, <laughs> I got I to do the math, 14 cows. And um, I have to hang on. And the reason why I have to hang on and keep them fed, because I'll tell you it's costing me a fortune, is because meat prices are way up, but cow prices are way low. And if I sell them now, I'm not going to get anything. But if I can just make them to the spring, then I can sell them and you know I might be able to um, not be um, in the red, you know, maybe be in the black. And um, I will tell you that I don't make any money um, from raising cows, but, you know, sometimes I do like to be um, in the black rather than the red. Have you ever heard the joke, just a side point, have you ever heard the joke about the farmer that um, that uh, won the lottery? Well, a farmer won the lottery and he made millions and millions and millions and off the lottery. And, and uh, somebody came up to him and says, well, now that you're a millionaire, what are you going to do with all your money? And the farmer said... Well, you know, I thought long and hard about it, and I, I think I'll just keep on farming until it's all gone. Well, <laughs> that's exactly how I am in regards to my— there's something that's in your system that you go broke, but you cannot not stop let go of it. You have to still hang on to it as you go broke. So here I am trying to feed my cows to try to make sure that I can, you know, be a little bit, you know, out of the red in the process, and there's no food that's available. So here's your pastor, Mike, frustrated, Where is food? I can't keep them fed. I'm working, I'm sweating, and I can't even find food for them right now as there is a shortage of, hay. feeding my cows is a pain. (laughs) Think about it. All the animals are fed. Every one of them are fed. And when we wrap them up and we put them in our corrals and we have to feed them, it's a lot of work, a lot of money. Really, really difficult. But all the ones that are out there are designed in such a way where they're fed. Well, how are they fed? Job 38 says this, who prepares for the raven its nourishment when its young cry to God and wander about without food? God just wants to say, you know, I just make sure everybody's fed. I know, Mike, you can't do it very well, uh, but I do it really well. Psalms 104, he causes the grass to grow for the cattle. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The cliffs are a refuge for the sheriff. And the young lions roar after their prey and seek their food, where? From God. I just want to say, you know, I, I, I'm involved in this earth. I didn't just drop you, create you, and walk you away. I'm even feeding all the animals. Psalms 104, he sends forth springs in the valley. They flow between the mountains. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Besides them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They lift up their voices among the branches. And you have verse after verse after verse of how things are fed. Matthew 6, last one. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into the barns. And yet your heavenly Father does what? He sits there and feeds them. Wayne Grudem says this. For any of these foregoing events, rain and snow, grass growing, sun and stars, the feeding of animals, or casting out lots, we could, at least by theory, Give a completely satisfactory natural explanation botanists can detain the facts the factors that cause grass to grow such as sun moisture temperature nutrients in the soil yet scripture says that god causes them to grow meteorologists can give a complete explanation of factors that cause rain humidity temperature atmospherical pressures and can even produce rain and weather laboratories yet scripture says that god causes the rain a physicist with accurate information on the force on, on the force and direction a pair of dice was rolled could fully explain what caused the dice to give the results that they did. Yet scripture says that God brings out the decision of the lot that is cast. This shows us that it's incorrect for us to reason that if we know the natural cause of something in this world, then God did not cause it. Rather, if it rains, we should thank him. If our crops grow, we should thank you. God's taken a lot of credit for his work. Credit for creation and credit for sustaining. And it's easy to question God when the world doesn't go good. That's what scripture is for. Scripture says, oh my goodness, the world's not going good right now, but it's not out of God's control. It's not out of God's control. He created, and he hasn't created and laughed it up into our hands. He created... And then he does what? He sustains. I want to open it up for questions. And as I open up for questions, we can ask these questions. Oh, do you know what? Rich isn't here this morning. Did he get somebody to run a mic around? Who wants to run a mic around? All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It looks like, yeah, James, we can come up and grab a microphone here. Just ask these questions. Is God a God of detail? Hopefully that question was answered. Did God create the world so it would function without him? Absolutely not. Thank you, James, for doing this. Does every animal need to be taken care of? um, If it is going to survive? No, God already takes care of them. Is God bringing management to this world? He absolutely is. Do my decisions determine my end result? They actually don't. And we'll do that as we're walking into God's will next week. But right now, is there any questions that you guys have in regards to this this topic? Or any further comments you want to bring into it as well?
1: Okay, so I'm going to try to phrase this correctly. But So we're talking about God and the rain and how that's from him and that's, you know, it's kind of a blessing and everyone needs it. And we see in the Bible times where he holds the rain back and there's famine and it's usually because of sin and this is Old Testament, right? Um, and, you know, we're noticing today that there's some of that's coming back and there's ice storms and fires and all this stuff around me. And sometimes it makes me wonder, is this still like a punishment that can happen today? And what does that mean for, for what we're seeing in the weather today?
0: Right. Great, great question. Um, I would say that um, it's not, um, there's the punishment that takes place in regards, um, in regards to sin. And you see that as taking place in the Old Testament. And you see it with, with the weather that is, is taking place. But I look at it a little bit different. I, I look at it in a sense of um, it opens our eyes. It should open our eyes. You know, whatever God does, when we see Scripture and see his strength, our eyes should be literally open to say, what is going on? And what's interesting is that when we open our eyes, God is then automatically, forcefully dropped out of the subject, global warming, you know, all of a sudden. The weather is not good. Okay, you instantly got to pull God completely out of the subject because God does not sustain. I mean, in in humans' minds, he does not sustain, he does not give, and it works very, very contrary to scripture, So I'd say Christians, when they look at that, not to look at it as this punishment that is coming down, but look at it in a sense of, maybe I should open my eyes to see what has taken place because what's going to happen in the end times is that we're going to have birth pains, earthquakes, and hurricanes, and all those things. You, and we're going to talk about this one Providence. Our eyes should then be open. <laughs> are, these, are these the times? And that's what they're for. It's, it's not, if there's ever affliction that comes on a person or a people, it is a saving affliction is what, is what I believe. In other words, I will give you this affliction for you to open your eyes and know that he exists. It's not a, a damning affliction because as long as you're on earth, he's not going to try to give us damning afflictions. He's going to give us saving afflictions for us to be able to see exactly who he is and what's going on. And now we treat them as damning afflictions, and then we do what? We hate God as a process, the process of it. But that would be my comment in regards to that, is we can say, okay, there is a huge force that's coming on America right now. And then we could also say, look at the sins of America, and we must be being extremely punished in the process of, say, fire raining down. It's to open our eyes. And you know what? I can open our eyes. Some of them don't open our eyes. But um, affliction is a horrible thing to say. But affliction is often grace to say, who am I? Because as soon as affliction takes place, you rise. And then you can see it. And you can see how ugly you are in regards to response to your hate for God or your hate for everybody else. Or you can look at it and say, you know, this is who I am in Christ. Christ went to afflict it at the cross for me. I see it. But I'm still secure in him. So it's it's um it's uh, those pieces. It's hard to talk about affliction though, because I think, oh, it's all God's fault. And I don't want it, you know, in, in those things. But all affliction, I believe, today is redeeming affliction unless you're taken out. So um, but that's that's where I go. Good question. Thank you for
1: I have asking one more question. quick question. Oh yes, as please well, if that's keep on okay. keep on asking. Okay, so we were looking at a verse, it was I circled it. Oh, gosh. What page was it on? It was the one that was talking about goats and donkeys. Oh, yeah, here it is. It was Psalm 104, 14, 18, and 21. Um, He causes the grass to grow for the cattle. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The cliffs are a refuge for the Shephanim. What the heck is a (laughs) Shephanim?
0: Probably a typo. Because I don't know what a sheffanine is. So
1: I'm like, okay, yeah. Goats, I got. All right. Cattle? Yeah, I can understand that. A Then they just throw a sheffanine in there. I'm like, what is a sheffanine? Anybody know what a sheffanine is? I will just
0: say, I don't know what a sheffanine is either. Badger?
1: Badger?
0: Yeah. Boy, you're just a detailed person. I like, <laughs> I like it. We work with a God of detail. Maybe I should be a little bit more detailed in my <laughs> presenting of Scripture. But... uh a badger. Okay,
1: a badger. Thank you. There's a
0: Shephanine. Shephanine's a badger. <laughs> good, good question. It's a question that I should know if I'm going to throw out Scripture to you, but a lot of times you just look at the Scriptures like, ah, and then you keep on moving. And uh, oh, I don't know. Shefani's a badger. All right. I don't know what it is. A, it's a rock badger. <laughs> a rock badger. Thank you, Kevin, for knowing that. Any other questions? And you'll, it is what? coney? Yep. All right. <laughs> Keeps on going. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh.
1: So uh, one thing uh, I wanted to share about uh, what Lydia was talking about over here, just about this subject in general, is Hebrews twelve five 5 says, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as children? He said, My child don't like don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. And so affliction really, I think, does is grace in a way, you know. And um, I've really seen that in my life the past couple of years. Like, I've grown the most a lot in the past couple of years as I've seen how the, the need and the um, work that God is trying to do in America. So mm-hmm. I think Absolutely. that's very much true, that affliction is grace. Absolutely.
0: And if you look at, if you work at the Psalms, Martin Luther uh, said the words that I never understood the Psalms until I suffered. And then I could taste the Psalms. And um, and we don't like it. We hate it. We despise it. And I don't want to say, you know, God is giving you your suffering because every one of us is just weighted down with horrificness of amount of suffering that has taken place. But definitely use it and don't, I'd agree, accuse God with it. It's going to be open up our eyes to say, well, damnation actually should be mine, and I don't have it. Therefore, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, therefore, this thing that has taken place is something that I can open my eyes and actually give praise to God who saved me, even in spite of what is happening right here now in regards to the suffering. Hard topics when we start talking about suffering and we're going to start talking about providence and, you know, we'll go through the rules again, the four Ds, you know. <laughs> but uh, um, hard, hard topics as we're trying to understand God. But I'll tell you that understanding God should do nothing but give us, give us peace, give us, give us rest, give us strength, give us everything we need as a human being to be a rock in this world that is desperately needed and repentance. Absolutely. And repentance. When we see ourselves, that's when we should be repentant. In fact, um, I just you know, go a little bit off my, my sermon in the sense that when you get close to your mate, all of a sudden you see yourself, we should be uh, repenting machines again. Repenting machines, forgiving machines, because God put us together as a couple. And it's supposed to make us into those people that are consistently going to God for repentance, for grace, for um, um for strength, so absolutely. All right, anybody else closing it up? One last question. All right, thank you guys so much for coming. Next week we're going to talk about providence, and which will move into sovereignty as well. So get uh, um, prepared because you will have more questions and answers when you leave this room, maybe next week. So all right, we'll see you.